All right, today we conclude our study and reading through 2 Corinthians. We come this morning to the final chapter, chapter 13. And um, in this chapter, Paul gives some final words, some final exhortations, um, and a closing benediction. Um, some of his final exhortations are quite strong. Um, this morning, I want to consider perhaps the strongest uh, exhortation of them all, as well as his final greeting. So let's let's turn our attention back to the scriptures and and see what we find. Um, and his strongest um, uh, exhortation we're going to see in verse five. Paul most definitely faced some uh, adversaries in Corinth. He was trying to deal sternly and seriously with some who were living in unrepentant sin for their own soul's sake. We've seen that in First and Second Corinthians. And all the while, there were others who were questioning the legitimacy of his, of his legitimacy as an apostle. And he was trying to deal with them uh, in that way too. And Paul was not prideful in the matter, but at the same time, he was not backing down uh, or backing away from what was his God-given task as an apostle. So despite the opposition, Paul closes this letter with some stout <laughs> exhortations to them, perhaps the strongest of those, as I mentioned, we find in verse 5. Uh, he turns his attention to all of them and declares, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Now, that's a hefty warning. Um, nevertheless, it's one that we need to take heed of in our own lives. We talked about it uh, much before, but it's worth repeating that Jesus and the rest of the New Testament unflinchingly um, assert that for every truly born-again Christian, there will be demonstrable fruit and evidence of that fact in their lives. Uh, even if that, um, that fruit is uh, recognizing that we continually fall short and we must repent over and over again. That in itself is fruit. Um, John the Baptist commanded the Pharisees and Sadducees bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In Matthew 3.8. Jesus taught that you would be able to tell the difference between genuine and false professions of faith in Matthew 7, 16 by their fruits. Paul plainly laid out um, the fruit of the Spirit that would invariably be present in the Spirit-indwelt and Spirit-filled Christians. Um, and Paul very clearly says in Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 1 and Ephesians 1 that those without the Spirit in their lives are not children of God. So no fruit in our lives is a, is a damning reality. So Paul says... Um, Test yourselves. How does a person do that, though? How, sh how should we test ourselves? Well, um, it is, I think, akin to what we said a few chapters back um, about something Paul said in chapter 10. Recall there that Paul talks about some uh, professing believers um, and says when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. That was 2 Corinthians 10, 12. So don't test yourselves solely by comparing yourself with other Christians. That's a faulty standard. But as we said then, God has given us his word in the scriptures to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us for righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 In which we also encounter the life of Jesus who left us, in, as 1 Peter 2.21 says, an example that we might follow in his steps. So examine your, your fruit, the fruit of your life and the conduct of your life by the light of God's holy word. And when you find yourself falling short, and you will, <laughs> you will, thank God that Jesus has already lived perfectly in your place. Repent of where you fall short. Repent again and again. Martin Luther said when Jesus 
uh, said repent, he meant our whole life should be one of repentance. So thank God that, that Jesus has already lived perfect in, perfectly in your place. Repent of your shortcomings and sins and ask him for grace to bear more fruit in your life. And on that note, Paul ends this letter with a benediction and blessing that is, that is deeply encouraging. He encourages them to rejoice in the Lord and reminds them of the grace that they have received through Jesus Christ. And in the middle of that benediction, he tells them in verse 11, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Um, this is a, a, a fitting uh, consideration uh, This is fitting considering the hardships that Paul seems to have faced with the Corinthians, evidenced by the themes present in both uh, letters to them that we have in the New Testament. There seemed to have been a, bit of, been a bit of disharmony within the congregation, so Paul urges them to aim for restoration with those who for various reasons have either fallen out or been put out of fellowship with the church and to live in peace. This is crucially important the local church is supposed to be a living representation of the saving gospel of jesus christ to the community around it we witness not only with our words but with our ways and actions toward one another paul promises that if these things are the goal of the church then god will be present to bless that church verse 11 as we conclude our study of this wonderful epistle let's let ourselves heed these exhortations from the apostle to them but as we do them remember that god is not merely watching to see if uh, we will obey but he is with us to to empower us to obey those are the final words this beautiful benediction uh, in second corinthians thirteen fourteen: the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all that great trinitarian benediction father son and holy spirit his grace his love and his fellowship is with each one of us as we aim for restoration and comfort one another and agree with one another and live in peace um, and, and examine ourselves daily to walk in his ways. What a beautiful letter. And tomorrow uh, we, we come to a new book, a new letter of the Apostle Paul, the letter to the Galatians. We'll look forward to talking about chapter 1 with you tomorrow.